that I took took me right by. I mean, I wasn't right next to the Pentagon, but I was fairly close on the interstate, kind of above and looking down. You know, I wrote about it in that thing, but it was an eerie, uh, eerie feeling to, uh, to to see the smoldering, the ash, the debris still smoldering in the air, and the smell, and the stench, and and uh, and of all things, I had planned to have. A, I was going to a conference, and I was to be in D.C. as a pastor's brief. It's a long story. It's a pastor's conference. It's called a pastor's briefing, and we you go to D.C. Uh, this guy does it a couple of times a year, and you meet Christian congressmen and, and members of the House, and they kind of tell you some of the things that are going on that they need our prayers and just to keep us informed about things that are happening in our legislative process. And it's very, inter- it's very interesting. But I was supposed to be there like the next week, and obviously it got rescheduled, but I did go about a month after 9-11, and it was the, the, the security in D.C. was just absolutely incredible. It was intimidating, even though you were a law-abiding citizen, it was intimidating to walk down the street. And I was telling in the article, I won't go into it now, but you you do all that and they have all that security, but we're in some, I can't remember what part of the Capitol building we were in. We got to go places most people don't get to go, but anyway, we were in some house gathering place where some of the house members would meet and discuss policies and and we got locked down because there was an anthrax that was back when the anthrax was being sent up there and so they detected anthrax somewhere in the building so they locked us down for a couple hours and then they made us leave the building through some unusual pay it was just odd it was odd it was odd you kind of felt like a secret agent when you left there it was kind of uh i'll never experience that again it was extremely extremely interesting the other thing i remember about that was how expensive it was to park your car (laughs) Because I rented a car and it cost me a mint to park my car. Anyway, God's good, isn't he? And uh, we do remember, we'll do that at the end of the service too, remember those that lost their lives on uh, 9-11. This really has nothing to do with the message, but it is an illustration that applies to where sometimes what I feel like. And um, I'm like you, the older I get, I don't sleep as well and I get up extremely early. And we have two dogs and three dogs. Two of them go outside. And, you know, when I get up, they're up and they're ready to go outside. And so it's, let's say, 4.30 in the morning. You know, it's pretty dark. And in my neighborhood, in Jasmine Hill, there's deer everywhere. And uh, there's not a morning we don't, if we get up early and it's clear and all that, there will not be deer, and especially in yards next to us because we have a fence backyard. But this morning, there were deer in my yard. And there was a fawn. And I didn't know that until I knew they were chasing deer. I knew they started running towards the fence. And usually, you know, the deer just stand there because they know there's a fence between them. Because they're there all the time. So the dogs run in there like they're going to bite their head off. And that deer just standing there looking at them. They'll run up to the fence. And, you know, the deer may walk off or may not. But this time, mama deer and one fawn, at least, was in my backyard. So they... They start chasing the deer, and then they chase, they get on the fawn. Well, see, now I realize there's a fawn in my backyard. It's dark, you know, and, and uh, to make a long story short, <clears throat> of course, my dogs sounded rough, but they weren't going to do anything to this deer. Um, by the way, Bonnie, we raised a deer at the house, didn't we? 
Matter of fact, it was, we found it up here. I'm in a little fawn, and we raised it for several months. His name was John Deere. <laughs> and uh, we kept him for several months. He fed him with a bottle, and uh, he, f he ate with our dogs and ran in the yard, and just like, anyway, it's a long story. Well, finally, my dogs ran this deer, this fawn, almost to death, where it finally just laid down and gave up. Sad, it really, I'm glad Diane wasn't awake. She would have pitched a fit and cried. But So I, you know, shooed my dogs away. And they, you know, they're, they weren't vicious dogs to begin with. And so I thought it was dead, but it wasn't. It, but I, I did hate to pick it up, but I had to because I had to get it out of my yard. When I picked it up, I mean, it was just limp. And its heart was beating so fast. So just, I mean, I held it for a moment until it calmed down a little bit. And then I had to, then I hated to do this, but I couldn't. I can't reach all the way over the fence. I'm not seven feet tall. So I had to drop it a little bit. Anyway, it lived. I didn't even tell Bonnie that story. Everything, after about two or three minutes, it got up. But I was thinking about how exhausted and how just that little fawn, how helpless it was, just gave up. And I think you and me, we, especially in the world that we're in and all the experiences of, of what's going against how we believe, sometimes we feel like that fawn. We just want to lay down and give up. Because see, we do win, don't we? We win, don't we? I've read the rest of the story. Our Lord's won the battle, right? He's run the war. He's going to win the next war. We know it all. But folks, it's not, this is the greatest time. I'm going to say something that I sometimes don't live right now. I'm, I'm honest with you. This is the greatest time in the world to be a believer because this is, there's never been a time in history where the prophetic word is fulfilled and we are on the cusp of Christ calling His church home. You know it and I know it. And we should be as thr thrilled to death about serving the Lord Jesus than we've ever been in our life. We don't need to be like that fawn and just lay down and give up. Folks, we need to get ready and do battle. They, they, listen, it's not about... Things are not out of control. Things are not out of place. Honestly... If I believe in the sovereignty of God, things are falling in place, just like he planned it. None of this caught God by surprise. It is part of the divine plan. He's ultimately, he's sovereignly in control. Do you understand that we believe in the sovereignty of God? And all of these things that are taking place are passing through his hands. And he's allowing them to take place. So he is in control. And so we're not out of control. These are, so things are really just falling in place. It's just, it's a little uncomfortable that it's happening on our watch. And I, I've got to be honest with you. Most believers aren't ready. They're not ready. They're not ready for where we are, but we better be ready. One reason we're here is it's, it's, it is our fault. But we, have a, we still are called to serve Him right now in the midst of all this that's going on. When you read Revelation 17 and 18 and you're just really seeing what, what's going to happen to the world, that's lost, this world that we're in right now has lost its mind. And when you read Revelation 17 and 18, you see what's going to happen to the world that's lost its mind. 
It's, there's not good news for the lost world. There's not. So with your Bibles open to Revelation chapter 17 and 18, I'm going to read several verses in, uh, in chapter 17 and in chapter 18. And uh, so much going to be familiar. I, w- I want to go back and really start at the beginning of 17, though I did that last week. And, and uh, I know even know where we ended. I'm going to blow by that. But I, I just want to set, kind of set the scene by reading a good portion of the scriptures this morning and you follow along with me and my goal is to share with you three or four key points about what's going on in our world today that we know that mystery Babylon the the great whore or the great prostitute that that mystery Babylon is alive and well right now and uh, there's three or four things that that Revelation describes that tells us we know by reading this that, that it's it's right we're at the early stages of the and this this is the fulfillment right here but Revelation 17 1 and some of you remember this if you were here last week we'll begin it says then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and said to me by the way remember this is the revelation now think about this do you remember the what the Bible says Revelation 1 1 it's not the book of Revelations, right? It's the Revelation, singular, one. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. This is His message to mankind. Think about that. Now, as a theologian or a preacher theologian, I have to tell you that whether I'm reading a red-letter Bible or a, a, a Black letter Bible. It doesn't matter because it's all God's word. Some people really love the red letter because when they're reading and they know it's Jesus, they kind of put that in a place that up above, but which is really theologically not sound because the Bible says all of it as is as, as if if Jesus spoke at all. Okay, that's all that's in this book. But when you when you get this, this is Jesus's message to John about the end of the story. Do you understand what I'm saying? This is God, the second person of the Godhead, telling me and you through John 2,000 years ago the end of the story. And what's going to happen to a pagan world? Which Romans 2 says is storing up wrath until the day of wrath. You know, we read Romans 1 about the pouring out of God's wrath. Romans 1 and he gave them over that the wrath of God is revealed to man. And he get three different stages, and God gave them over. God gave them over. God gave them over. Well, the in, in, I'm sorry. In Romans two verse four, he takes it a little step further, and he says, "They're storing up wrath for the day of judgment." Well, this is the judgment of Jesus Christ. We finished. He finished the seven seal judgments, the seven bowl judgments. Remember, there's 21 judgments, seals, trumpets, bowls, or vials, or censers. And this is following the seventh bowl judgment, and this is the end. This is the end of the story. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and said to me, Come and I will show you the judgment of the great prostitute who is who is seated on many waters. Now that's, this prost- This is a spiritual, this is spiritual Babylon, okay? Religious, you might call it religious Babylon. This, the, so there's going to be a powerful 
denomination, if you want to use the word, because we kind of understand that. Uh, a, there's going to be a worldwide church, just like they're pursuing one worldwide government. There's going to be a massive... And it's not going to be the only religion on the face of the earth, but there, along with the mark of the beast and all that the Antichrist does, there's going to be this one world religion that pushes the agenda of the Antichrist. This, and so it's called the Whore of Babylon. Now, I don't have to do this because we've been in it two weeks, and it goes all the way back to Genesis and the Tower of Babel in Genesis 11. And where God, so that they, this great rebellion against God's authority, which is incredible because it was less than 200 years after the flood. So everybody knows that God just got through washing the, the earth clean because of sin. They rebel again, and God just disenfranchises all the nations and calls Abraham and says, I'm going to marry you. And so all these nations have been living in darkness for all these thousands of years. And so, and so every false belief, every false doctrine, every heretical fault, every moral, uh, every act of immorality all goes back to what happened there at the Tower of Babel. That's why it's called the mother of harlots. The, you know, the, the harlot the har of immorality. Anyway, so it says, Come, I will show you the judgment of the great prostitute who is seated on many waters. And of course, many waters would tell us that that this religion or this faith or this denomination, if you don't mind me using all those words, is, is all over the place. Because it's going to tell us later that many waters is many places. So all over the world, because, you know, continents, are, there's water everywhere, then there's a continent sitting there in the water. So it's on many, so there's everywhere. So this faith, or, and I don't mean Christian faith, but this religion or this denomination or this religion, faith, whatever, is all over the world. So, and, and, Folks, it, we believe Christ is coming soon, and this would be seven years or seven or so years after Christ takes His church. So it's here now. So it, it, it's here somewhere, somehow. Part of this is already here. And we know that. The Bible's going to tell us later. But anyway, it says, Come and I'll show you the judgment of the great prostitute who's seated on many waters, with whom the kings of the earth have committed sexual immorality. And, and, with the, and with the wine of whose sexual immorality the dwellers on earth have become drunk. And it's just something about this false religion that people, you know, the idea of being drunk is um, you, you, you lose your sense uh, of soundness. You know what I mean. Many of you were drunkards before you got saved. I was a drunkard before I got saved. We all, most of us know what it's like to be drunk. And so you're outside of yourself. You're not in control of your own. You know, you, you just, you know, we know what we're talking about. I don't have to go on with that. So, so they're drunk. So there's something about this, this fake religion, this fake faith, this, this fake church that, that people get drunk in what they're pursuing. They get drunk in this movement, this fake religion. And it's, it's addictive. And so if they're drunk with it, I mean, they're, Pursuing people, want them to be a part of this belief. And you can see how this would... The false Christ, the Antichrist needs a fake religion and this is it. Okay, this is what he's talking about. And he carried me away... Uh, I'm sorry. He carried me away in the spirit into a wilderness and, and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast that was full of blasphemous names. Now, so... It's like that book I mentioned, A Woman Rides the Beast. This woman, she's called, she's a prostitute, she's a fake, it's a religion, it's a false faith, 
She's called a prostitute, and she's going to ride the beast. She's going to ride the power of the Antichrist. That's what this is talking about. It's going to explain this later, but I may not get to all of chapter 17. But what it's talking about is this false religion is going to ride the authority of the beast. And it's going to promote this false faith by the authority of the beast. That's how it's going to start. So folks, when the church is, when the church is raptured out of this world, something's going to take its place. But what's going to take its place is already here. False doctrine. Is false doctrine already here? Is, 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 is churches that allow immorality, is, is that here? Yeah. So it, it's not going to be a quantum leap for there to be some world, one worldwide prophet that's going to gather these people together and, and, they're, and they're, going to, they're going to pursue for everybody to, to have these same beliefs. So a woman sitting on a scarlet beast that was full of blasphemous names. And it had seven heads and ten horns. It's talking about the nations that are involved. The woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and jewels and pearls, holding in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and the impurities of her sexual immorality. And on her forehead was written a name, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of prostitutes and the earth's abominations. How'd you like that name written on your forehead? And I saw the woman drunk. Now, people are getting, and you've been, hey, you go to a ball game. And people, you don't have to be drinking, but in the enthusiasm, if you're an Auburn fan, you go to Tiger Walk, you act crazy at the Tiger Walk. You go to the stadium, Alabama Slam, I've been to Alabama games. You just get absolutely, you do things and say things, not ugly, but I'm saying you shout and scream and act like a fool because you're drunk with the enthusiasm. You're outside of yourself. Well, so... People will be outside of themselves being a part of this fake religion. It'll just consume them. But then, look what it says about this system being drunk. And I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints, the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. So this false religion this, this, this is fueled by the death of believers in Christ. Think about it. And folks, in other, in, you know, there's, there's martyrs. Well, help me, for instance. Now, again, I'm showing you how close we are. I've got to be honest with you. I don't know if I'm brave enough to live in Afghanistan as a Christian. I'm just telling you the gosh-awful truth. And the fact that our country, how would you like to have been a pastor over there, and then your nation leaves you. I was thinking about, it's like being divorced. That's just, I can't imagine being a believer over there. But that's just one part of the world that they'll chop their heads off. And then when they do it, everybody will have a party and shoot guns in the air and run around and shout and spit and drink more booze 
They'll go crazy over the death of a saint. You with me? We're there. Now, I'll tell you something that's a miracle. How the, this false religion is going to combine unbelievers, Christians, I'm sorry, not Christians, how this false faith, this just tells you the power of the devil, how it's going to combine unbelievers that were raised in the church that have some sense of, okay, it's going to combine those, it's going to combine Islam, it's going to combine Catholicism. And there is going to be one main force religion on the face of the earth. It won't be the only one, but there's going to be one that's going to rule the roost for a while. And it's hard to believe that with the church gone, that, but it's going to happen. But you can see the fruits of this manifested right now in our world. We're there. And, there, and Afghanistan's not the only place on the face of the earth that Christians lose their lives all the time. And I hadn't studied the statistics about this, but there are, in the last 20 or 30 years, we've had more martyrs than hundreds of years ago. I mean, there are thousands of Christians martyred for the sake of Christ. So even now the system is, is drunk with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And I love that the text in the Bible tells us that their, their, their prayers cry out. These people that have died for the cause of Christ have been martyred. You know, it tells us their, their prayers cry out for God to, to return His vengeance for their death. I mean, that's, it's an interesting thing, and one day God's going to do that. Does the world deserve God's judgment? Does it? Yeah, it does. This alone, to kill Christians? And remember what Jesus said? And again, you don't... You, you, because this is so incredibly true, you almost don't want to believe it. But every martyr is really like them killing Jesus again. Let me say that again. Every martyr in the mind of Christ is like them killing him again. That's what Jesus said. That's what he told Paul. Why in the world are you persecuting me when you're martyring these Christians? It's me you're attacking. So can you imagine, so for all this, is, is, it goes back to what Romans says, storing up wrath for the day of judgment. It's coming. It says, when I saw her, I, I marveled greatly. You could put the word, I was astonished when I saw her. This, this false religion that's, that's consumed and drunk and wild with, with the thrill of martyrdom for Christians. Killing Christians. When I saw her, I marveled greatly. But the angel said to me, Why do you marvel? I will tell you the mystery of the woman and of the beast with the seven heads and the ten horns that carries her. The beast that you saw was and is not and is about to rise from the bottomless pit. Remember, that's where I ended last week. Remember? I kind of gave you a little thought there. I, um, he's talking about the, the Antichrist, who's also, remember, he's called the beast, I think, now I, I'm, again, this is way back, I remembered studying it. I think 26 times the Bible calls him the beast. Only four times he's called the Antichrist. And none of those are in the book of Revelation. They're all in 1 John. 
and one's in Second John. But he's called the beast more, obviously. So this beast, so, so, so he's marveling. So this it says, the mystery, the woman of, and the beast with the seven heads and the ten horns. That, and he's talking about the, the beast died and then he came back alive. Or he seems to have. We talked about that. I, I mean, is it a fake resurrection? Is it a real resurrection? I don't know. But it says he rises from the bottom. Remember that? Bottomless pit. Remember that? Shake your head if you remember us talking about that. Because I could spend another 30 minutes talking about it, and I've already done it, right? It's an incredible thing to think about. The bottomless pit. It's, think about what that... And, and it is, it's called the abuso or the abyss. But it means bottomless. A bottomless pit. In a bottomless pit, guess what you're always doing? You're always in free fall. Think about that. So you're not hanging around with your best buddies drinking beer, talking about all the bad Christians that have to go to heaven because you're celebrating in hell. That's not. So it's the bottomless pit. It's where the devil's going to end up. It's, well, no, that's going to be the lake of fire. But, but anyway, so bottomless pit. This is hell. It's, it's hell. It's where people go. People that have died, this is where they go but before the lake of fire. The bottomless pit. He comes out of the bottomless pit. Mary, I talk about what I think about that. And he, and he goes to destruction. And the dwellers on earth whose name... Oh, my, listen to this. So everybody on earth, so this Antichrist, now remember, because he has a fake resurrection, he's the beast. Now, the, again, I, I know I'm being redundant. This false religion is riding the beast. His power, his authority, his wisdom, he's a great orator. So this false religion has attached itself she has attached herself to the beast she's riding the beast for all he's worth because he's leading the world and and especially since and of course jesus mentions here the book of revelation because he died and he came back alive which obviously this fake resurrection or real resurrection gives him incredible authority on the earth you can imagine it's a fake Jesus. Is this not a fake Jesus? You, this is a fake Jesus. He's not the Prince of Peace. Okay? But when he comes from the bottomless pit, remember I gave you that verse where the seed battle, where is he full of Satan now? Is this where Satan finally has the seed that is all him in human form? Of course, thank God he didn't show up at the first. This is at the end of the tribulation. But is this what this... Again, just something to think about. And he goes into destruction. And the dwellers on the earth whose names... Here it is. Have not been written in the book of life. Are you looking at your Bibles? Also called the Lamb's book of life. Okay? Uh, it's mentioned one time out of the book of Revelation, then about five times in the book of Revelation. But look what it says. So people that have not been written in the Lamb's book or in the book of life from the foundation of the world. So everybody that has not been written in the Lamb's book of life from the foundation of the world, everybody else will marvel at the Antichrist who's pretended to be dead and came back alive. Maybe this time he's come back even with greater power and greater charisma, greater, greater miracle working. I don't know. But... The whole world's going to marvel except those that God's going to save because their names have been written in the Lamb's Book of Life from the foundation of the world. They're not going to marvel at him. 
because either they're saved or they're going to get saved. So they're not going to be fooled by that. They're not going to be fooled by the false resurrection. Because remember, they haven't taken the mark. Because if you take the mark, guess where you go? Okay, you go to hell. I, I, I don't know why. I, that amazes me, but it's true. It says, from the foundation of the world, let me restart over, whose names, the whole earth marveled, whose names have not been written in the book of life from the foundation of the world, will marvel to see the beast because it was and is not and is to come. Okay? He was, he died, and he came back. This calls for a mind with wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains, and this is one reason why some people are convinced uh, that this is Rome. This is the Roman, Rome, Roman Catholicism, okay? Because Rome is the city of seven hills. And uh, I'm going to tell you what, while you hold your finger here, while hold your finger, go to Revelation 3, 5. Let me just share with you a couple things real quick. I love the way this reads. Go, go to Revelation 3, 5. And uh, there's, I just want to read you several of these times this appears in the book of Revelation about the Lamb's Book of Life. Go to Revelation uh, 3, 5. And then 13, 8. 3, 5 says, The one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments, and I will never blot his name out of the book of life. I will confess his name. So this name will never be blotted out of the book of life. Go to Revelation 13. Look at Revelation 13, 8. Look at 13. We'll read a couple more. 13, 8 says... Um, I'm sorry, I, again, I, my vision is not the best. And all who dwell on the earth will worship it. And this goes back to the, the beast, okay? Because that says that in verse 5. And all on the earth will worship it, okay? Okay. Um, Everyone whose name has not been written before the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb who was slain. So everybody that, that's name's been written in the Lamb's book of life, they're not going to be duped by the Antichrist. They're going to get saved. By the way, this big, massive religious movement that this is going to be, the whore of Babylon, this fake, I mean, this, uh, the prostitute, this fake religion, there's nobody going to be saved because of what they do, right? Everybody that's going to be saved is going to be because of the 144,000 witnesses, right? And because of the great angel witness and then the two great witnesses, you know, the one, the one angel that preaches the gospel and then the two great witnesses and then the 140. Those are the people who are preaching the gospel. Folks, they, and again, we read this last week, you cannot be saved without hearing the gospel. That's why we read, I wanted to read Ephesians 1, where it says the gospel of your salvation. There was a point in time where the gospel came alive to you. You had heard it before. This could happen today. You could have heard it 3,500 times, but all of a sudden, it becomes the gospel of your salvation at that moment in time. And God quickens something that's dead, and you end up believing because He wills your heart to believe, and you get saved. Incredible thing. But if you do that during the tribulation, you do that because your name was written in the Lamb's Book of Life for the foundation of the world. 
that you're dealing with an eternal God that does that. That's an incredible thing. We'll go to chapter 17. We'll read one more. Just interesting things to think about. This is a great doctrine. Uh, chapter 17, verse 7 says, But the angel said to me, Why do you marvel? I will tell you the... Mi-. I'm sorry, that's where we are now, isn't it? I'm sorry. Go to... Uh, <laughs> let me tell you how crazy... Go to chapter 20. Look at chapter 20, verse... Uh, chapter 20, verse 12. Pick up at verse 11. 20, 11. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it from whom his presence, earth and sky fled away and no place was found for them. And and I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne and books were opened. To me, this is one of the most precious. Well, it's precious. It's also humbling because it, it deals with lost and saved people. Now remember the great white throne, it's a great white throne ju- judgment, okay? okay? So, and it says, and, and great, so, and I saw the dead, in verse 12, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Notice that's plural, right? The Lamb's book of life is one book. The books are different books, right? But there's something written in those books too. Look, look what it said. This is in, and this goes exactly back to what the Scriptures promised. There's not a deed. There's not a sin. There's not a, a vile act of disobedience, of perversion, a cursing, swearing, gossip that Jesus does not record and He's going to pour out His wrath on people for. Aren't you glad your name's in the Lamb's Book of Life, right? So... Because the lamb paid the redemptive price for it. You know, his blood was shed. So it says, And so the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. That's the dead. We're not dead. We're alive, right? Okay. It says, Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. That's us. But the dead were judged from what was written in the books. The lamb's book of life, that's the book of life. But dead and dead in sin are in the books, and everything's been written in the books about how people lived in dis in disobedience. That's a humbling thing to think about. Go to verse uh, since we're right there. Go to verse. Uh, I think he says it again in verse fifteen. Then death, verse fourteen. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. That's the second death, by the way. So you go from hell or the bottomless pit, which hell, the Gehenna word, is is describing that. Then you graduate when everybody that's unsaved from all of history, along with the Antichrist, along with the false prophet and the Antichrist, are thrown into the lake of fire. So, and all the fallen angels and all the wicked spirits. So that's the lake of fire. By the way, hell was made, the lake of fire was made for the devil. That's what Jesus says. That's incredible. Back to chapter 17. We're, we're out of time. Um,
but let me finish here. It says, so, so we've got the Lamb's Book of Life, and, and so, so it says, the, I'm, I'm back at verse 8, I think. It says, uh, verse 9, it says, This calls for a mind with wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman is seated, and they are also seven kings. So the power behind this, okay, is there's kingdoms. So this false religion is riding the power of the beast who is in control of really, we believe, much like a revived Roman Empire. I mean, it's a huge conglomerate of nations. And we're doing that now, especially in, the, in, in Europe. I mean, it's, uh, you, um, but, so it's there now. So, so it says, It calls for a mind of wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman is seated. Uh, they are also seven kings. Look what it says, Five of whom have fallen. And that just goes back. So this, this system has been through all of history. The, king, the kingdoms that, have, that are in the past, we dealt with it last week. You know, there's Egypt and, and the Persian Empire. All these empires that have come and gone. Who was in control of them? Satan, okay? But now there's the Rome, the revived Roman Empire. Rome was the last one. And it's going to be a revived Roman Empire. Fallen in one is the other. It says the one, the one, I'm sorry. They are also seven kings, five of whom have fallen. That's five. One is, one is in existence right then. Seven, six. And the other has not yet come. That's number seven, okay? And when, when he does come, he must remain only a little while. Okay, so, so this final kingdom is not going to be hundreds and hundreds of years. It's going to be just, you know, we know seven years, okay? And so it's going to be a little while. As for the beast, that was, that was and is not, it is an eighth, so it, so the beast is going to be the ruler of the seventh kingdom. That's all it's telling you is how it's going to go. Verse 12, and, and the ten uh, horns that you saw are ten kings who have not yet received royal power, but they are to receive authority as kings for one hour, very short time, together with the beast. It's just telling you that it's going to, these, they're going to rise quickly, rule with the beast. The beast is going to control them ten and, and, but it's not going to last long. These are of one mind, and they hand over their power and authority to the beast. You see that? Folks, that's very important. They'll just hand it over. And, and then, as crazy as the world is now, and you see, you see remnants of this even now by how people talk, they're going to believe they can defeat the Lamb. See, we're not quite at the Battle of Armageddon yet, right? They, it says, they will make war on the Lamb. They want to do battle with the Lamb. Now, they're not calling him the Lamb, but with Christ, the King. You know, we know we've already read several passages in several places where they defy him. Every time a judgment comes, they defy him. They curse him and, you know, says, and, and the Lamb will conquer them. For he is Lord of lords and King of kings. And those who are with him are called chosen and faithful. Isn't that awesome? 
Man, that is absolutely awesome. Now, let's go to chapter 18. I'll skip that last part. 18, let me read a couple of verses. I got, my clock says I got two and a half minutes. After this, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority. It's not, that tells us this, this angel has great authority, but it's not one of the seven angels that had the bold judgments. Chapter 17 started with one of those angels. It says one of the angels that had a bold judgment. But this is, this is another very powerful angel. Matter of fact, this is a really powerful angel, okay? With great authority. And the earth was made bright with his glory, and he called out with a mighty voice. Now, now we've gone from religious, because if you read the rest of chapter 17, the beast finally rejects the fake religion, right? She's thrown off the back of the beast and kind of is consumed, right? Okay. It even sounds like there may be some people get martyred, get killed because the political, the, the power of the beast hates this religion now. It's so weird how it happens, but we move on. So this angel comes down and it says, He called out with a mighty voice, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. Isn't that a sweet sound? That's awesome. Baby. You know, do you remember, like a lot of times Jesus would emphasize something. He would say, verily, verily. He would double it. Or tr- Most of the time, our, book, our Bible's translated, truly, truly, I say to you, he would have a double emphasis. We hear this angel doubles on fallen. Fallen. Fallen is Babylon. Now, um, I wonder about that. Okay. And just to let you know, and again, I'm not saying this is the answer to that, but, but <clears throat> I did think about this, so I'll at least tell you that what, I, what came in my mind. Is if you remember in Daniel, the book of Daniel, Babylon, you know, he was under Babylonian captivity. This is the this is when Babylon was, was its greatest, okay? Babylon ruled the world. It was one of the great powers. It's when Belshazzar played with, he got drunk and he sent some people over and they had stored all the temple products, the cups and saucers. So they're having a drunken orgy. So Belshazzar sends his servants and they bring over the sacred cups of the temple. Remember? And remember what pops up on the wall? I always do the finger. The finger pops up and starts writing to Belshazzar. And he doubles it. It says, Mene, Mene. And that word means you have been weighed in the balance. And he says it twice. You've been weighed in the balance. You've been weighed in the balance. That's the first thing I think about when I read that. So it's a double condemnation. So he says, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She has become a dwelling place for demons. Now, now are we talking about a city? Okay. You are talking about a place. She has become. A dwelling place. So now we're down to, are we talking about a country? This is where it gets wild. Now you can, if you've got a study Bible, a John MacArthur study Bible, he does a good job of explaining it. I will tell you there's like three or four major places people think that the, now there's the spiritual Babylon, the whore, false religion, and then there's Babylon the great, the place, the dwelling place of demons, this city, or it may be a nation. 
Some people think it's a rebuilt Babylon, right? Uh, which is sometimes kind of hard to understand because the merchants, when, he, when God crushes the city, the merchants of the world groan. The sea merchants. I mean, it's a long way from the Persian Gulf. You know, so there is a river. There's two rivers close by. But so anyway, so people think it's Rome, okay? Because the, the harlots, they think, a lot of people believe it's Roman Catholicism. So they think the city is Rome. Other people believe it's rebuilt Babylon, okay? And there's a lot of people believe it's America. Some people believe it's New York City would be the, the city that represents it. And others might, might believe it's London. Okay. So, and it could be other, but there's a place. So now there's, <clears throat> but I know it's going to be a place because God has brought, it says the dwelling, and let me finish. Well, I'm way over time, I'm sorry. Look what it says, and I'll stop right here. A haunt, she's become a dwelling place for demons. I'm going to help you help this make sense. A haunt for every unclean spirit. A haunt for every unclean bird. A haunt for every unclean and detestable beast. And then it goes to, For all the nations have drunk the wine of the passion of her sexual immorality, and the kings of the earth have committed immorality with her. And the merchants of the earth have grown rich from the power of her luxurious living. Now that's one of the hints that tell us, you're wondering how, how can the merchants of the earth get rich off of Babylon? You with me? That's why some people think it's America. Uh, Jeremiah 50 and 51 kind of refers to that. It's on water. Anyway, one last thought. You're looking at your Bibles. Remember the last bowl judgment? Now, I'm just, I, I'm not telling you this is true. But as I read this, this is what I thought, one of the things I thought about. The last bowl judgment, where, you can go back and read it. It's, uh, where did it end up? The bowl judgment was poured out where? In the air. That's what it says. The seventh bowl judgment, the last of the bowl judgments. It says, was poured out in the air. Now, in that pouring out of that bowl judgment, the, Satan's the prince of the power of the air. You with me? All his, we don't battle with flesh and blood, but with principalities and power. So it's as if in that seventh bowl judgment, when all this happens right immediately, after, that, that for this one place, that's the place that has, that has promoted the Antichrist that has, that's been the one city or country that has promoted the beast and, and has pushed false religion, has murdered Christians, has mocked Christ, this one city, this one country, wherever, all the demons of hell, I think, and the bowl that was poured out in the air are going to be, that's what brings them to this one place. It becomes the haunt of everything wicked. I wouldn't want to be there place of hell, a place of judgment. Then he says in the last, he says, then I heard another voice saying from heaven, come out of her, my people. 
come out of her, my people, lest you take part in her sins. Folks, that's us now. The Bible clearly tells us in 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 6, 18, come out from among them, be ye separate. That's now. God's call is a call of righteousness now. We need to come out of the great whore who's alive. We need to, come. We need to be different. The greatest, one of our greatest struggles is me and you, we don't live like Jesus is coming. We don't live like we love him more than anything. Most of us love this world sometimes more than we love Christ and we know it. Let's stand. We're going to sing a benediction. We're going to sing a little patriotic hymn kind of in celebration of the weekend. And Thank you so much for being here. God's good, isn't He? Woo, I'm, glad I'm, I'm glad I'm on the winning side, aren't you? Woo, my goodness. This is our benediction. Thank you so much. We'll sing together America the Beautiful. Amen.